such a blessing to hear of the Lord's blessing for the building here. It's astounding to me how generous our God is to us in such practical ways. Appreciate that update from Pastor Sean. You had us at more restrooms, Sean. You, you had us. What is that about, though? Well, it's not about just having more space for the sake of having more space, more parking for the sake of having more parking. Our heart is that God would be pleased to use this church, this body, to be a bright light in this community. That the people of God who come on these Lord's Days to worship and hear from the King would be equipped to function as salt and light in his world. That's what this is about, however many are here. You and I, our influencers for the kingdom of heaven, you, you, you didn't decide that as a Christian, you, you simply are. Uh, by God's design, in, in your home, uh, in your uh, workplace, in, 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 at the grocery store, believe it or not, uh, at school, uh, Matthew's gospel, remember, is all to do with the Lord's anointed king. The king is Jesus. His heavenly kingdom is breaking into this world even now. And, and to be one of his people, to be a Christian, is to be an influencer for the kingdom of heaven. This morning, the words of our king, and you're in Matthew 5 now, aren't you? Beginning with verse 13 shortly. The words of our king, Jesus, really beg the question of all of us who are his followers, what kind of an influencer am I? I am an influencer, that's a given. What kind am I? But let's just hear the word of our Lord. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So there it is. Salt and light influence things. Very simple. The Christian uh, is by God's design uh, an influencer uh, for the kingdom of heaven. Salt preserves what would otherwise decay, spoil. The salt flavors the food. This is all from, from last week's message, a little bit of review. So, so the Christian lives in such a way in her part of the world so as to prevent further rot, for, further decay in sinfulness. And she flavors her relationships wherever she goes with the wisdom of God as opposed to what? As opposed to foolishness which is as salt that's good only to simply be discarded. And light dispels darkness. Light makes clear 
uh, what had been ignored, what had been unclear, what otherwise couldn't be seen, light dispels darkness. And so, so the Christian, as an influencer, he, he lives in such a way that he brings the light of the knowledge of God and, and God's ways into the darkness around him. How, how will the watching world see what it is to know God? How, how will people in your life See what it is to walk in God's ways, live in God's best from you. The, the believer, says our king, you are the light of the world. Now, we could just stop there. That's, that's the summary of the message, right? But we've got a tremendous amount of time left. And, and so let's, let's just remember where we've been uh, before we press further into this, okay? Matthew has presented to us Christ as king. He, who is Jesus? He, he is the, the Lord's anointed one who, who's come to save his people from their sins. And now the king, Jesus, is teaching his people about the nature of his kingdom, the, the Beatitudes, verses 3 through 12. Just stare at that in your Bible, if you would. Uh, by virtue of the new birth, uh, the king's people are those who come to God humble, uh, nothing to commend themselves to him, mourning their sinfulness, hungering for a righteousness they do not have. And they come to King Jesus repentant and they, they find acceptance and, and, and forgiveness and, listen, satisfaction in the king. Are you satisfied in Jesus? We're the king's blessed people. We're the, the most enviably happy people on planet earth because we know God. We know the king. And he's claimed us as his own. His eternal kingdom is ours. He's not ashamed to call us his own. And now... We've moved from the Beatitudes to the similitudes. That's kind of a weird word, isn't it? The similitudes. What, what are Christians similar to? In other words, what is our purpose in life on this earth? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Remember the you in this verse is, is not just the, the whole mass of God's people. It's you. The individual. So, so there's a sense in which you could put your name in there. You are the light of the world. It, you are God's means of making himself known to others. This is a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit through the light that is reflected by the people of God. Your children. Your grandchildren your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates, what, wherever your part of the world is that you're in. And, and, you know, if that sounds big, it really is. This is your primary function as a believer. Now, last week, are you still listening? Last week when we, when we looked at um, the simile of salt, we said, well, before we grab the salt shaker and start... Uh, pouring it all over the place right away. Let's just let's think about 
what Jesus' first listeners thought when they thought about salt. And so we went to the Old Testament, and that served us well. Um, Allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture always serves us well, as it turns out. And so before we reach for, you know, a flashlight and start applying this to ourselves, let's, let's turn to the Old Testament a bit. In Genesis, you know this, in the, in the book of beginnings, we see that God's first act in creation was, was bringing light into the darkness. Genesis 1, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, don't miss this, but in Genesis 1, what becomes clear is that the light appears before God created the sun. God is light in whom there is no darkness. Just file that away, we'll come back to it. But in creating his perfect world, God brought light into Darkness and, and Matthew has told us in his gospel, in, in, in the opening verse of Matthew 1, Jesus coming into this world uh, marks a, a new genesis, a, a new beginning for God's people and God's world through the work of King Jesus. The king has come from heaven and, and, and he's come to bring heaven's light into this earth's spiritual darkness and 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 this new genesis requires a new exodus doesn't it what what happened at the time of the exodus was there darkness do you remember that the ninth plague how interesting was a plague of darkness how many of you know darkness is a sign of god's judgment Darkness is a description of the world prior to God bringing order and structure and light for humanity to live in. Egypt was judged with darkness. Incredibly, the scripture says it was a darkness that could be felt. That's, that's pretty dark. But, but what? But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. The whole world of Egypt, if you will, was in darkness, and, and yet God's people had light. What a, what a contrast. God's people dwelled in light, light from God. Uh, those surrounded by darkness, they were able to see their way out of bondage into God's best. Now just think about this. We live in a world that is apart from God and is in darkness. The world's people are under judgment. Chaotic, empty, disordered world under judgment from God by his measure. An ultimate eternal judgment awaits all of those people apart from rescue in Christ. But, but God, in his gospel, through his people, says, let there be light. It's as if God has placed you, Christian, are you a Christian? God has placed you someplace on planet earth in the middle of darkness and said, let there be light. 
in Israel's history, the king was regarded at times as a source of light for the people. In a, in a theocracy, the, the king was seen as, well, the king was God's anointed. And in that sense, a source of light. The, 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 the kingdom's glory and prosperity was secured by the king. Interesting little tidbit here. In the, in the days of King David, for example, uh, his uh, military leaders said to him, Hey, we, we don't want you going into a battle with us anymore, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. The king conveys light for the kingdom. And what do we know about Israel? We know that the lamp of Israel did get quenched, in a sense, didn't it? In fact, our entire Old Testament is in many ways a history of God's people uh, choosing to live in darkness, if you can imagine what that would look like. Choosing to live in darkness. Rather than in the light of God's love for them. Israel had been set free from her bondage, set free to worship and serve God, to function as his light to the nations. Instead, she mostly rebelled. And as a result, um, ancient Israel spent an awful lot of time in the darkness of judgment for her unbelief. You care if this is practical for a minute? I wonder if there is anyone here today yet experiencing the darkness that is a judgment for your unbelief. I wonder if this morning you'll hear the voice of the Lord saying, let there be light. God in his great mercy sent prophets to warn his people living in darkness in ignorance or by choice living in darkness he sent prophets to reassure his faithful ones uh, of a day coming in which he would bring light into the darkness once again prophet isaiah for example foretold the coming of a greater david yahweh's servant he said this isaiah 9 nevertheless the gloom will not Be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. Now, where in the world is the land of Zebulun and Naphtali? It's Galilee. It's right where Jesus is sitting on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, preaching this Sermon on the Mount. In fact, Matthew 4 actually quotes from Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2. These Galileans, then, of the Sermon on the Mount, and their ancestors are those who had walked in darkness. In fact, they're now sitting ignorantly, perhaps contentedly in spiritual darkness. And now a great light has appeared. The the king has come. The king is bringing light to the kingdom and his people. In fact, Isaiah's prophecy um, says much about God's promise to recreate 
his world for his glory through his son. Listen to Isaiah 42. I, the Lord, have called you, the son, the king, in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. And then Matthew, or excuse me, Isaiah 49.6. Indeed, Yahweh says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I also will give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. See, God has a people, Jews and Gentiles, brought from darkness into light through the work of the Son, the, the, the Yahweh's anointed king, Jesus. Who, who is Jesus? Well, says Matthew in his opening words of his gospel, he's, he's the son of David. He's the king. He, he's the promised king whose kingdom on earth will be an everlasting kingdom. Jesus' first listeners knew to look for a Messiah, a deliverer, a king who would deliver them from darkness, who would deliver them from alienation from God and bring light, the very light of God into their world. And now this king is sitting right in front of them on this hillside and he begins to outline for them the way of his kingdom. I am the light of the world, he says. So you who are attached to me, you who live in allegiance to the king will reflect that light in the world. The kingdom is yours. Start shining. Now this is the part where there's always a group of people who only pay attention for the application. And so I want you to just poke those people now uh, because that's where we're at, all right? In fact, I just mentioned our first takeaway. The believer is a reflected light in the world. You are not the light source. Jesus is. But you are a reflector of the light. As the moon reflects the sun. Did anybody see the moon around 6 o'clock this morning? Boy, do, do the heavens declare the glory of God or what? But, but just think about the simplicity of this in creation, that, that the moon doesn't have light within itself. It, it reflects the light of the sun. But how bright is that light in total darkness? We even say it, boy, how the moon is really bright tonight. When I was a kid, I had an alarm clock. And though I'm terribly young, it was at a time when alarm clocks were the kind that you would wind up. And it had these glow-in-the-dark numbers on it. And I, and I figured out really quickly that um, the numbers didn't glow all night, and, and so it, which is a deficiency, right? So I, I thought, well, I, I'll fix this. I set the, the, the alarm clock on top of a, a lamp in my room, thinking that if I left it there most of the day with the light on, then it would be able to reflect light all night. What a great idea, except the, the heat from the light melted the face of the alarm clock, and so um, I got in trouble for that. But, but the thing is, the point is, 
right idea, just poor execution, right? The, the more exposure to the light, the brighter the reflection. You know, pay attention, we're going in a direction, aren't we? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let me ask you this. Are you, are you a, a born-again, Jesus-following Christian? That's the only kind there is. Then be encouraged this morning. You are the light of the world. You, you, you don't have to decide that. You just are. And the brightness of your reflection is related very closely to your closeness to this Jesus. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Notice the word walk in, in that verse. You, you know this. That's, that's the, the key thing about this reflected light. Jesus is not referring to a Christianity that only exists in books and professions and confessions and that sort of thing. A Christianity that only stays in buildings with crosses on them. He's talking about the way you live, the way I live, life in real time. A Christian's daily life is meant to make God visible in a world that is blind to God. Why belabor this? Why belabor this? Because we need to grasp the significance of what God says about his kingdom people. Not just collectively, but individually. As a person in the kingdom, you are not insignificant. You are not without impact in this dark world. You have been pleased wherever God has placed you. And he has said, let there be light. You, by God's grace, uh, are God's chosen means of dispelling darkness. You're God's chosen means of bringing the light of truth and holiness to the world around you. Notice in verse 14, I thought we might finish this verse. Notice also in verse 14, the believer is a radiant light in the world. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus says a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't have to try to function as light as you believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. As you live by his word, you just will be light. In fact, you won't be able to hide it. What did Jesus' first listeners think about when they heard city on a hill? Well, perhaps some of them thought of Jerusalem built on a hill. And as many of you know, the radiance of the temple, all of that gold, brightness, glistening in the sun, shone brightly, could be seen from a great distance. And then at night, you can imagine, well, actually, maybe we can't imagine. We, we, we live in a world where it's hard to get away from artificial light. Like, where do you go to find, like, true dark? 
you know, you go camping and you think you're way out there and then you look up and you realize, good heavens, there's somebody a quarter of a mile away with a blazing campfire and it's, it lights up the whole place. Where, where do you go these days to find dark? Well, Jesus' um, disciples didn't have that problem. They, they knew all about dark. And, and you can imagine the, the, the comfort and security that would come to someone traveling through the deep darkness Seeing a city on a hill, light. And so here is Jesus on a mountaintop in Galilee, the light of the world to people sitting in darkness. And and he's come not only to teach, but to live out the very holiness of God in humanity and then die. And then rise again for his people. Call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Think about this. Never was there a city on a hill like Calvary's hill. At Calvary, Jesus experienced the outer darkness, the the, the hell of God's wrath that his people actually deserve. And then into the darkness of the tomb, the the, the stronghold of of death itself, if you will. And and yet, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light that cannot be hidden. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death for his people. He's risen again. The light of the world, shining still today. How? How? He's not here physically. He says to his people, you, you you are the light of the world. The visible expression of Christ in the world today, Christian, is you. You are the light of the world. Acts 13.47 says this, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. God's church, his, his elect people, are today that shining city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Think about this. If you take the church, I don't mean Christendom, I mean the true church, the redeemed of God. You take the church away from any neighborhood, any city, any nation, there is nothing but darkness. Says who? Says God. Says God. America is a case study in this. America is a case study of what happens when you take the light of God and his people out of the culture. So let's just think through some of the practical applications of a believer functioning as both a reflected and a, and a radiant light. Are you hearing this? Both reflection and radiance imply engagement with the world. Both reflection and radiance imply engagement with the world, as opposed to what? As opposed to withdrawing. 
as opposed to disengaging. Much of the darkness in our land relates to the church, God's people, buying the idea that true religion and the rest of life are somehow separate things. And what does God say to that? You are the light of the world. Shine. Listen, if your Christian life cannot be seen by others in the world, you are either not a Christian or you're not living the Christian life. I'm not making this up. It's not my material. The Bible knows nothing of a secret Christian, an undercover Christian, not in a commendable sense. That the Bible knows nothing of a Christian whose faith resides only in the realm of books and baptistries, but, but makes no appearance in the darkness of this world. The Bible knows nothing of the Christian who exists in isolation from the darkness. He is in the world, but he's not of it. Oh, but he's in it. For what purpose? Providing light. Providing light. The worst thing we could do as a church is get all jiggy about building a bigger building and having uh, more parking and brighter light bulbs and all of these good things. But, but, but if we stopped there and didn't do the equivalent of putting the alarm clock next to the light, maybe don't fry it this time, but you know what I'm saying? It's all about shining into the darkness. Well, let's, let's keep going here. Verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. No, no one in their right mind would, would light a, a lamp or a, a candle and then immediately put something over the light. Gee, this is so simple. To, to do that would be ridiculous. If, if you hide the light, how would people see anything? And, and you think, well, good heavens, this is so elementary. Who lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket? Well, I thought about this a little bit. Who lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket? Parents who neglect to teach their kids the word of God while professing to be Christians. Husbands who won't lead spiritually in their home. They're not following Christ in their own lives, so they can't lead their wives and their kids to do so. They want the title, God's man, but they're not going to fulfill that role. How many of you know that today, the world is full of little boys masquerading as men? God's men. Employees who never share Christ at work, who never speak the gospel of peace to a people at war with God. Students who never speak the truth of God even as they're being spoon-fed the enemy's lies at the university. I wonder how many baskets have our hands grasped that might hide the light of Christ. Do you mind being encouraged? Then we'll get back to the other stuff. <laughs> the good news is what? The world's pretty dark. You don't have to go looking for it. 
What kinds of baskets hide the light of Christ? Fear of man is such a basket. Compromise is such a basket. Indifference to hell-bound image bearers of God is such a basket. Pragmatism, I'll do what God says if it's going to work out for me. That's one of those baskets. Knowledge of God without love for people made in his image. That's, that's a basket that puffs up and, and hides the light of Christ. So the believer's light is a reflected light. And the believer's light is a radiant light. It's meant to shine. And finally this morning, um, it's a revealing light. Look at, look at the last verse there, verse 16. And, and all of these words start with R, and that's really neat, isn't it? Revealing light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice that Jesus in in verse 16 amplifies what it is to be light. The salt, what's the salt made, what's it like? What what composes, if you will, the salt? Well, you read through the Beatitudes, that's that's the salt. And, And it's the character of the Beatitudes like the salt, except not passively, actively. The salt is kind of a passive thing. You eat a piece of jerky. Do you like jerky? I think it's good. But you eat a piece of jerky, you don't, you don't marvel at the pieces of salt in it. If you do, you bought the wrong jerky, right? <laughs> if your friend made it, give it back. The salt loses itself in the function of preserving and flavoring. Light isn't passive in that sense. It's active. Let your light so shine before men, openly, publicly, unashamedly. Don't hide it. Don't shrink back. Shine. Oftentimes in Scripture, light is associated with with righteousness and wisdom and holiness. Listen to Proverbs 4, 4.18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. How's the world going to know what righteousness is? You send them a dictionary. No, they're going to see it in God's people, his church. Believing and obeying the word of God is often equating, equated with living by light. Again, from Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. All of this is to do with light, not native to us, light from the king reflected through his people. And we, and we need to take care with this, don't we? Because Jesus is saying the good works are not done so that we will be glorified, so, so that we can be seen. No, no, the, the good works are done so that the Father is glorified, so that the Father can be seen. The world is meant to look at the believer and, and see uh, through the person, in a sense, and see something of the nature of God. We're meant to live in such a way that people would look at our lives and say, God is amazing. Or, I don't want anything to do with that. You and I don't get to decide the response. Ours is just the role. 
to fulfill. Jesus warned the Pharisees, didn't he, about what it was to to be a do-gooder just for the sake of being seen by others. Surely, assuredly, I say to you, Jesus, that they have their reward. They wanted to be seen. They got seen. That's their reward. It has no kingdom value at all. But when God's people simply live as God's people and speak as God's people, the world sees it and hears it, and God is glorified. And you think, well, that's just not my experience at all. I mean, my experience is just that the darkness around me just seems to keep getting darker. But, well, here's the thing. The world is dark. How dark? It's a, it's a darkness as if to be felt. The world is wicked. And, and, and the believer's reflected radiant light is often a rejected light, isn't it? Jesus tells us that straight up in John 3. He says, the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So much of the world says, I, I don't want to leave my darkness. But God says to his people on a hillside in Galilee, and the king says to his people today, don't retreat, shine. The believer's light is a revealing light, revealing God and his gospel. Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the the purpose statement for the church. And that's the purpose statement for every individual follower of Christ as king. I think it was John Calvin who said this in his commentary. I can't remember, but um, somebody said it. How's that? Um, The believer ought to live as if all the eyes of the world are on him for the glory of God. How interesting. When, when When we show goodness, we're showing the world that God is good. When we are... Holy by God's grace, however imperfectly, when we're holy, we're showing anyone watching that that God is holy. When when, when we love unconditionally, we show whoever's watching God loves unconditionally. When, when, When we forgive, we show that God forgives. When we mourn over our sin. We show whoever's watching, God hates sin. So do his people, even the sin in themselves. And surely when we speak the truth, when we speak gospel truth, we're showing that God himself is truth. And and, and the truth is what? He's reclaiming his world and he's redeeming his people for his glory not just our benefit, for his glory. What does it look like then to live in all ways 
to bring glory to the Father. Well, it, it looks a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Everything Jesus did in his humanity on earth, he did for the glory of the Father. In fact, right before the end of his journey to the cross, Jesus prayed to the Father and he prayed this, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. The Father who spoke light into darkness at creation, who gave his people light to deliver them from the darkness of their bondage. Now, now in his recreating work in Christ, in the gospel, he's bringing light into the world. And how is he doing that? He's doing that through his kingdom people. You are the light of the world. So what do you do with all that? Shine. Shine. All right, that's it. Let, let's pray. Lord, we're, we're so glad today to be reminded once again that in your measure, your kingdom people have great value and great purpose. And Lord, I pray that we who delight in this value you have placed upon us, that you would give us salvation undeserving as we are, that you would lavish grace upon us, that you would bring us out of darkness and, and bring us into your marvelous light. Lord, that you would then give to us such a glorious purpose to reflect your light to the world we once were a part of. Lord, I pray that you would so work in us that we would be brighter reflections of your light. Lord, I pray that the time we spend being nurtured in your word and, and worshiping you and, and learning and growing, Lord, that that all would be um, released in this great purpose of shining for you in the world. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.